what we've got here is failure to communicate. Welcome to the Imago Day podcast, a show of philosophical and theological reflections for today's world. My name is Lewis, and I am joined always by the awesome Professor Joseph Terry. Joe, how are you today? Doing well, enjoying this autumn weather, so feeling great. Yeah, this weather has been pretty awesome the last couple yeah. of days, so it's, it's great to like enjoy it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, today, we are talking about a massive topic, but just bear with us, dear listener. There's, we have plenty of awesome angles to explore. We're talking about communication. Now, Joe, I didn't know communication came from the Latin word uh, communicare or communicare. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't really speak Latin. I am Latin. I don't speak Latin. <laughs> like, I didn't know, sidebar, that Imago Dei is actually like Imago Dei. So, yeah. uh, or Dei. Whatever. Yeah, Dei, yeah. You know, Latin's a dead yeah. language, whatever. But communication <laughs> comes from communicare, which means to share or, quote, to be in relation with, mm. which I think is very fitting Um or just the times that we are in and, and the struggles that, I mean, we I face on a personal level, but I, I feel like it's also on a community level, on a human-wide level, is something that we are struggling with. So I felt like it would be great to sit with you, Joe, and talk about the phenomena of communication, to explore it through a couple of different lenses and to um, also explore it through a theological context. So mm. um, before we begin, Joe, like, do you have anything, any uh, opening statements you want to say about the topic of communication? Yeah. Um, you know, when I hear the word and, and, and the way you just framed it for us, um, you know, this idea of sharing in being comes to mind. Of course, from the word dialogos, dialogue, sharing in word, sharing in substance, sharing in being. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, for me, that, of course... Um, brings also to mind the necessity for vulnerability and for an openness on both ends um, mm-hmm. to the degree in which we measure that openness uh, of course is going to be directly proportional to what is indeed being shared what is being communicated so i think there's a lot there to explore but those are just some some opening remarks that come to me that reminds me of um, a great definition of communication is by uh, John Durham Peters in his book, Speaking into the Air, A History of the Idea of Communication. Hmm. He defines it as, quote, an apparent answer to the painful divisions between self and other, private and public, and inner thought and outer world, word, hmm. end quote. And, and I think that's like, that's part of the reason why I want to talk about communication, like, I think personally, I want to aspire to be a more effective communicator, mm-hmm. um, and I want to explore the the facets of communication in an attempt to just improve my ability to communicate through whatever medium. So I want to start us off by diving into a great model of communication mm. um, by Claude Shannon and Warren Weaver. Now, before we begin, like this model of communication already has limits because mm. communication is such a wide topic of study. Like it's, you can't really encapsulate it through one particular model, but this one, I feel it already helped me personally kind of understand and think about communication in a different way. This model of communication is broken up into like eight steps and I will briefly kind of go through each of the eight steps and we'll also pair the eight steps with 
uh, hypothetical of me seeing Joe on the street, <laughs> like mm-hmm. seeing you on Queens Boulevard <laughs> and, and making the decision to communicate. So the first step um, in Weaver and Shannon's model of human communication is step one is the formation of communicative motivation or reason, basically the, the desire to communicate. So in our example, I see you, Joe, on the street, and I'm like, oh, man, I, I see Joe. I want to say hi to him. <laughs> That's step one. <laughs> step two yeah. is the message composition, which is, again, like an internal process, but it's, it's taking my desire to communicate and turning it into some form of a message, like mm. putting the actual message into being. Step mm. three is encoding the message. Um, which there are many ways to encode a message, whether through speech, through pictures, through gestures. Um, in our example, it would be in speech. I would yell out, my message would be, hey, Joe. <laughs> or yo, yo, word. Joe. <laughs> yeah, yo, yo, Joe. <laughs> we can even get into that, right? Like, right. I, I notice when I greet you, Joe, I do say the phrase yo a lot. But it's yeah. just because, like, it's like a New Yorker thing, you know? It like, I feel Yorker comfortable thing, yeah. saying yo to you. And so, yes. yeah, so that would be my message, and I would encode it in speech. Mm-hmm. Step four is the transmission of the encoded message. Mm. In this case, it would be the air. Like, I'm using sound, and I'm transmitting it through air in a way that you can hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, step five is talks about noise. In whichever environment in which we choose a medium, so like in this case, we're on Queens Boulevard. An example of noise would be uh, a construction site, you know, like mm-hmm. construction noise that may interfere with Joe's ability to hear someone, some crazy person saying, yo, yo, Joe, <laughs> you know, like and impede <laughs> right. your ability to hear the message. Right. Step six is the reception. So now we're on Joe's end where he's hearing yo, yo, Joe, you know, he doesn't even <laughs> see me yet, but you're hearing the sound, you're receiving the signal. Step seven is decoding the message. Mm. Um, so whether it's from the familiarity of my voice or just the words themselves, you, Joe, are interpreting, you are decoding my message. And step eight, you are interpreting it and making sense. And you're realizing, okay, that's not a crazy person. That's just Lewis. And there he is. He's saying hi. Um, and it's incredible to me that like, things that we do naturally every day, right? Like something as Mm -hmm. simple as I walk down the street, I see you, I say, yo, yo, Joe, like there's all of these steps involved. Um, There's all of these things that happen. And yes, there's overlap and and there's all types of Mm -hmm. messy nuance that takes place between these eight modes, these eight steps in communication. But yeah, Joe, Mm -hmm. like how do you, what are your thoughts on, on, these eight steps of communication, this model of communication, and the way in which humans interact with one another. Let's just start there. You know, um, this is really, really cool because I'm learning and I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes down as you were speaking because it's, you know, it's really insightful. Um, this, this model of communication really interesting. And what strikes me is the intelligibility that's somehow inbuilt into the whole process, right? Mm-hmm. That there is this um, a pattern that's discernible, right? This the, these series of steps that make sense, um, and you know, it, it I, I it, it's funny because I was also thinking about 
um, other species communicating with each other and the modes of intelligibility there, right? Obviously nonverbal, uh, sometimes, sometimes verbal, right? But maybe perhaps mm-hmm. not syntactical speech like us, uh, but nevertheless, some forms of communication. But with regards to staying uh, in place of Homo sapiens, right? This this mm-hmm. strikes me as, uh, from a theological angle, the imago dei at work, right? The mm-hmm. the image and likeness of God um, being fleshed out in 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 this mode, as it were. Uh, one of the ways in which it, at least it's manifested. And I'm also thinking about interpersonal communication and intra personal communication, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we speak to ourselves, as it were, when we think. Right, mm-hmm. that there is this mirroring uh, uh, effect or reality that's already in us, right? That I can mm-hmm. pose to myself a question um, as if I'm somehow distinct, you know, and in kind of engage in this process of reflection and thinking as if I am some other, but yet the other is really me. Just, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's like very, yeah. you know, very interesting. And how this is, you know, uh, seen, of course, in the interpersonal realm. The first, the first step, as you highlighted, the will, decision, right? Making mm-hmm. the decision. It's interesting. Um, of course, it bespeaks a volition that we have the capacity to choose. We can say, yo, Joe, right? Yo, Lewis, or choose not to say. And we even have a series of options, many, many ways in which we can communicate if we do choose to communicate, right? It could be verbal, it could be signing, it could be a grunt, <laughs> it could be, yeah. you know, walking down the street, we we, we yeah. kind of make eye contact and we, you know, bob our heads, be like, yo, like that, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, if I saw you walking with your wife, you know, I don't want to embarrass you, I'll just give you the head nod. Or... <laughs> right, right, right. Sure. Something yeah, along those lines. That's visual, though. That's that's different yes. than sound. That's a good yeah, point. Yeah, it is. It is. And I and I guess um, you know if if we go with that, um, do these steps still? You know, are they maintained? Right. Obviously, step yeah. five is going to be perhaps different. Right. Step five here as the noise, but uh, the other the other steps, I think, uh, you know, for the most part, yeah, there's something still present even in non-verbal cues. Now, from what I know, mm-hmm. according to uh, communication um, theorists from I've encountered is somewhere that 75 to 85% of communication is actually nonverbal, um, yet, which is which is a significant portion. Um, you know, it's almost as if our words are just filling in what's already being communicated, you know, by means mm-hmm. of nonverbal cues or even the way we speak, uh, the intonations, right? The tone, all of that um, is communicating uh, nuances, and even while we may be linguistically saying the same words, uh, the meaning can be carried through very differently. The way in which it's being said, but yeah, you know, when I when I sit and listen to you present this uh, model, I, I again this idea of intelligibility is shot through the entire process. There is this beautiful structuring um, that bespeaks of a kind of order and. It's, 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 it's interesting. It's interesting to me because what's being communicated, of course, is in one form or another, uh, some mode of, some reality of intelligence, right? Some Mm -hmm. reality, but, but the manner in which that's done is in and of itself also intelligibly discernible. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this is how we can, in, in fact, analyze it, right? If it weren't intelligible, we would not be able to understand it. We wouldn't even be able mm-hmm. to get off the ground. So, you know, when I say the word intelligible, mm-hmm. I just mean simply that which is opened to understanding, that which has some kind of inherent structure, some some properties, some modes of being that are discernible to the to to our minds, you know, to the intellect. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those are some of the things that come mm-hmm. to me. Um, and we, yeah. um, I, let's start from like with the communication model with that mm. first step again about like the will to communicate. Mm. Um, I, when I look at the work that you do, I see you communicating and educating in many different forms, whether it's face to face with speech or through email or through like a, a different platform or medium, like a, a zoom. Yeah call or whatever. And, um, my question for you, and I think this will help us in our discussion of communication is like, what, w- like what motivates you to make a decision to communicate something, right? Like you share a, a midweek reflection through email and, and it's like, what, what motivates you to, to choose what to say, you know, and, or, or to choose how to answer a question to one of your students and stuff like, mm. can you just start there and just yeah. speak from your own experience? Wow. You know, wow. What a, what a, what an interesting, uh, uh question for me. Um, you know, the heart, my heart, uh, Lewis, this sounds of course, mad mushy is like the heart. What is this guy? <laughs> no, but it's real though. I appreciate it. <laughs> but it's it. real. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I you know, I, I want to say I do it out of love. Um, I have this really insatiable desire to um, connect with others, you know, to connect. Mm. This is like, what does that even mean? Yeah, I'm obviously using mm. it in one sense metaphorically. But part of what I mean is to express something that I myself am carrying within something that I think would, at least in the examples that you've given, that would edify, that would uplift, that would console, that would uh, perhaps give some insight, uh, that would perhaps encourage others, not just, you know, from a purely pastoral or psychological angle, but even intellectually encourage folks to pursue ever deeper the mystery of whatever I'm attempting to communicate, whether it's philosophy mm-hmm. within, uh, you know, the college that I teach or the different places where I teach or as theology in a different context. Um, and all of that is uh, really coming from who I am, right? My, 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 the, the seat of my soul, if you will, mm-hmm. my person, mm-hmm. my, my person, my heart, my heart, and so, um, you know, I have this intuition that exercising or rather using different modes of communication, right, i.e. emails and Zoom and in-room discussion and regular conversation are are great because not everybody receives uh, the message mm. the same. You know, this goes mm-hmm. back to, I'm looking here at my notes, uh, step six, right? That you mm-hmm. identified the reception, you know, like not mm-hmm. everyone, and maybe even step five, that there's different noise, you know? Um, and not just, of course, noise, but noise as a metaphor for, you know, various ways of distraction, right? And so mm-hmm. for some people, 
opening up perhaps their smartphone or their laptop or whatever and, and popping open the email like okay wow midweek midweek reflection okay this speaks to me maybe the zoom I, I was able to tune in on zoom on on monday i i was perhaps distracted or i got it but maybe this really connects with me um mm-hmm. or or for those who maybe perhaps you know they got some of the message or the majority of the message on monday then on Wednesday, when I send that midweek reflection, it sort of solidifies uh, and perhaps even deepens the mm-hmm. message that was already uh, articulated on Monday. So it, but 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 to your question again, <clears throat> excuse me, it really comes from my heart, my desire to see folks encouraged, my desire to see folks, yeah, challenged but also growing, growing, which of, of course are coextensive, you know, to, if you're going to really mm-hmm. grow, you're going to have to be challenged. So that, that I think that's at least a, an initial response to that question. Do you feel like in your line of work that you also need to, I guess, have repetition in your mm-hmm. communication? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Um, you know, they say, a good pedagogy uh, always has within it repetition, right? But mm. done in a way that's, of course, not mundane. Uh, and it may, of course, appear as such to those who don't need as much of the repetition. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I will have this recursive um, style, um, almost like it just kind of sounds, you know, like I'm I'm inflating myself, but I don't mean it as such. <laughs> you know, like almost like poetry, like you know how good poetry will unveil what is in one sense already obvious, but because of some form of almost a jadedness, like what, what good mm-hmm. art in my mind and what good poetry does is it reveals what is already in front of us but perhaps is hidden because we are maybe jaded or we've seen it a thousand mm-hmm. times, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think good it's tuned teaching. out. Huh? Say it again. Like it's tuned out. In yeah. Regular yeah. world experience, but exactly. poetry kind of brings it out. Yes. Yes. So I think good teaching does something like that, um, where you'll have this kind of recursive, you know, in one sense, there's an aesthetic to it, but in another sense, that brings us back to the thing that is, in fact, already before us, but perhaps we've tuned out. So I'll, you, you know, and if you're paying attention, if you're thinking pedagogically as you're watching me teach, right, you, you'll you'll notice that, you'll see that. And I think this would be good for anybody, any anybody who's in the field of communication, uh, mm-hmm. if, if they know what they're doing, I think they, they recognize, yes, right? Uh, a certain points that would need to be um, restated. You know, you use a little illustration, you bring it back. Um, mm-hmm. But again, to do it in a way that's um, clothed with a kind of aesthetic quality so it doesn't really become mundane or even annoying mm-hmm. to hear it over and over again. So I <laughs> yeah. do that. I, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's a bit of that happening there. Let's talk specifically about public speaking as like just the specific field of communication. How have you owned your craft of public speaking you've been doing it for a while now like how long would you say you've been in some form or another engaged in public speaking and through the years how did you become a more effective public speaker yeah i want to say definitely over 15 16 years and in different settings where i've had Mm, to stand up and, and yeah um and teach so 
Um, I, I think, you know, it's interesting that you asked this question and we're actually having this conversation. I was talking to a, a good friend of mine just yesterday evening and he was sharing with me. He said, you know, Joe, you have this kind of natural social and emotional intelligence that really serves mm. you well. You know, he's, he actually used the word you, you, a counselor. You know, he's like, yes, you have a mind for theory and, and you have all that as well. But there's something about you that that desires to concretize and to bring home for folks uh, these deep truths that you yourself have been meditating on or that you've discovered. Um, and so with regards to the question of public speaking and, and to communicate to multiple people at once, I think what helps me is having a sensitivity uh, uh, to the people that I am speaking to. Obviously, mm. it's a little <laughs> it's more difficult to do that on Zoom, uh, yeah. especially if I'm not seeing everyone's face. Mm -hmm. as as opposed to doing it in the room uh like you know uh, in kind of real time and in, 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 in we're all yeah. in the same room or even the same audience if it's you know i've had the opportunity to speak to over 500 people at once in an auditorium probably mm -hmm. even more but i have this you know i'm able to kind of tune in and sense all that and i think i think anybody can be trained in that but for me i was never trained in that it was just through years of practice as it were coupled perhaps with some of my own emotional and and social um intelligence right my ability to kind of mm -hmm. feel what other people are feeling empathetically uh it really helps me and so that's in terms of my disposition now with regards to public speaking in general uh what i've learned is the import importance of pacing sometimes if I, if i'm speaking too fast or i'm speaking too slow or tuning in feeling the air use stories and it's so for instance you know and i don't do this well actually i don't usually have recourse to different narratives in in let's say a didactic setting a setting where i'm teaching um but it's very helpful it's something about shifting in in your mode of communication to a story right people could be like glazed their eyes are glazed over and you, you you know you could be even passionate about sharing what you're sharing right whatever ideas you're communicating but it's like amazing there's something happens there's a there's a shift the minute you mm. go into a story like everyone perks up it, it, and, and so those little tricks are some of the things that you learn uh over time if you're paying attention i think in public speaking and i try to make you know, I, I try to use that, but I'll have other things in my pocket as well as I'm mm -hmm. talking to folks. And um, yeah, still learning, man. Still, still growing in that area. Yeah, no, I, I find that very helpful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to shift the conversation mm. uh, now to uh, communication in the context of today's world. Uh, mm. I, we live in a very... Uh, atomized society i think the pandemic has kind of um amplified um this type of atomization that's happened and mm. there's also at the same time an overwhelming amount of information and noise and options by which someone can communicate um not just face to face but especially yes. through telecommunications there's so many options so much going on and um, my question for you is like, how can we communicate effectively? You know, not everyone is called into public speaking, but yeah. I think everyone, since we are social creatures, is is going 
to have a need to communicate or a desire to communicate in one form or another to family, friends, or, or even strangers. In, the, in light of today's world, in this society that we live in, with the means of communication available to us, um, what's some encouragement, especially for like an introvert like me, I mm. consider myself an introvert, like how could we um, communicate better? How can we be more um, mindful and more deliberate in our communication uh, especially if we have that desire like you to like mm-hmm. uh, to communicate out of love or to communicate love to the other. You know, big picture, um, a big picture p- perspective uh, for me is considering anatomically speaking that we have two ears and one mouth. Mm. And that would then mean, at least the way I read it, as we ought to listen twice as much than we speak. Mm-hmm. So in the context of how to communicate better, we should, I think, do so from a place of listening rather than forth-telling and foretelling and um, it's just pure speech, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, if we listen more then our speech will be more poignant and 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 on target now what do i mean by listening right i mean that again as another metaphor for sensitivity uh sensitivity to the other in whom we are communicating um being empathetic being present to the other whether the other is a group of people or a singular person right one's Mm -hmm. spouse that's not easy because we usually come with a sort of pre-made package that we want to deliver to this other we're not necessarily thinking about Mm -hmm. uh what the other may be carrying and how the other may be feeling and and all of that there but that's actually key um for a number of reasons let's say for instance step eight to go back to the thing that you've brought off earlier Mm -hmm. interpreting the message if we hope that they interpret the message that we're communicating in a way that that would be true to how we want it to be interpreted, um, we should be uh, sensitive to 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 them. We should mm-hmm. we should have a kind of maybe it's a different word, it's a weird word in this this sense, but I'll bring it up anyway. Therapeutic <laughs> in the way mm-hmm. we uh, speak mm-hmm. to others. Um, there there has to be a kind of massaging as it were now now that sounds almost manipulative but but what i mean by this is actually not in the context not in the sense of just manipulation but actually from a place of love from a place mm. of service mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the two ears one mouth bit as a big picture perspective of how we should approach others in the mode of communication in the mode of communicating you know, number two, or another thing that comes to mind is to speak from our hearts. You know, Lewis, to really speak from 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 our heart, um, from from the center of ourselves. So that that is to say, let us be weary. Let let us move away from duplicitous modes of speech. Mm-hmm. Let's move away from modes of of overt you know, of lying, of deception, of, of attempts at manipulation and power. 
Mm-hmm. So let me give you an example of this. Um, you know, on, I'm on Twitter and social media is a very interesting. This obviously is a whole other topic on communication <laughs> on Twitter, Yeah, for instance. But let's say somebody uh, critiques a post that I've put up or, or um, just wants to do something there. The, for me, what I do when I engage others on social media, I, I try to start by saying, hey, thank, thanks for responding, right? So I'll, you know, I say, I'll say thanks, thanks for your comment, I uh, appreciate mm-hmm. the feedback. And then I'll follow up perhaps with a question that's not snarky, that's not passive aggressive, mm-hmm. but a question that, that, that is a, you know, a genuine question. Or if there is no room for questioning, I'll just, you know, try to acknowledge where the person may be coming from and say, okay, I, you know, thanks for sharing. Um, I could, I, perhaps I can, I, I could see a bit of where you're coming from, uh, you know, in light of why you would say that. Mm-hmm. And then I would then respond by saying, you know, perhaps I would suggest to consider it this way. So, so notice, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, that's not an easy thing on social media mm-hmm. because it's like, yo, whose man's is this firing at me? <laughs> I, you're following me. I don't even know who you are, bro. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I think and, that's what it is about the internet. Like there's yes, the layer yeah. of anonymity. Have yeah. you ever dealt with like a troll though? Like someone that it, it's, it doesn't yes. even seem like they're responding to what you're saying, you know, like, yes. would you still respond to them in the way that you describe in your example? Like how yeah. would you deal with that? Yeah, I'll respond initially like that. But if they continue, I just will stop responding, you know, mm-hmm. worst case scenario, mm-hmm. block them. I've never had to block mm-hmm. anybody. Thank God. Um, I've never had, maybe cause I'm not that popular. I don't know <laughs> like if I was on another level. Maybe, you know, I had just, so many people, you know, grace you haters, know. <laughs> who knows, you know, haters. but, uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, um, I think, um, so, so when I say sensitivity and, and, and being empathetic, I just mean, recognize it as a human being on the mm. other side uh, mm-hmm. uh, of, of the screen, if it's social media, Mm-hmm. Or as a human being with hopes and wishes that's standing before you, you know, and, and that's mm-hmm. not easy. You know, of course, that's not easy because there's a kind of dying to self that has to happen in order to do this well. Mm-hmm. You know that's what I mean? We point. have to make room. Yeah. We have to make room for the other uh, in our heart for me to even begin to open my heart to the other. There has to be already a, a, a premeditated uh, move internally to make space mm-hmm. in the table of my own soul for the other. To then say, "Hey, come, come through uh, to my sort of spiritual crib, and I'm, mm-hmm. I've made I've made provisions for you. Let's have this dialogue rather than coming through, or, or rather coming to the table defensively and like, okay, I'm ready to attack, and you know, this is a debate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you um, think some of that yeah. is rooted in like a fear, a fear of yeah. either being wrong, being criticized, or I know there's." some i would hear celebrities say about this because they're in a unique position just like this fear of the political correctness that um seems to permeate society and culture today like how how can one deal with those fears in an attempt to listen and communicate more effectively you know i i want to read to you something that i just pulled up called uh it's a prayer the litany of humility the litany of humility. Mm -hmm. And um, while I don't pray this, I don't, I don't uh, pray this enough. It's something that I do time and again, come back to. And I find it really on point. 
um, the fear of being wrong, the fear of being canceled, the fear of being responded to negatively, these are all real fears. You know, these are all real concerns that folks have. But we have to get to a place where, and it's a balance, overcoming that fear, uh, not trying to always save face and, 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 and just speak the truth as it is, mm. but still do so from a place of love and vulnerability. The world, the, the fallen systems and structures of our age will either cower in fear and not say anything or say whatever they're going to say uh, and be bold about it, which, which, are, which is great, but then to be kind of arrogant about it and, and ostentatious mm-hmm. and like, just like whatever, you know, you go, mm-hmm. this is it, you know, and, and there's a kind of almost a violence you know, mm-hmm. with, with that mode of discourse. The Christian is called to walk a different path. You know, the gospel's claim upon us is to walk the straight and the narrow. So it looks mm-hmm. differently. So let me read um, this litany of, of humility and let us see what we can learn just by, by hearing what's being said. So it opens up by saying, Oh, Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, O Jesus. Right? So you see how it's like, it's like, deliver me from the, I don't want this, right? From the desire of being praised, deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me. Oh Jesus, from the desire of being consulted, deliver me, oh Jesus, from the desire of being approved. And I'll just keep on reading the, 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 the statements there, right? From the desire of being approved and from the desire of being humiliated, right? From the fear of being despised, or excuse me, from the fear of being humiliated, from the fear of being despised, from the fear of suffering rebuke, right? All these things, deliver me, Lord, right? The fear of being uh, calumniated, the fear of being forgotten, the fear of being ridiculed, and it goes on and it goes on and it goes Mm -hmm. on. The litany of humility. And when you just sit with a document like this, you sit with this prayer, we, we can learn a lot, I think, and I, of course, I submit to all of us, you know, that mm-hmm. we can learn a lot about what it means to be humble, you know, the virtue of humility, which is essential for good communication. Mm. That, that, why, that's me. Why that's is jo- that essential, that's Joti. Say it again. Why, why is that? Why do you think that's essential? Because when we communicate, because... <sighs> When humility is present, it's just another way of saying we've made room for the other. Mm. So, when the, so when a person feels that, when a person senses that from you, then the guards, the walls begin to, to come down, right? And even if the walls don't come down, they will perhaps consider your words a bit longer than someone who comes with the finesse and the suaveness of a kind of strategic form of communication to mm. dazzle the other, you know? Mm-hmm. Humility 
is 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 the mode of meekness enacted in action you know it it's humility again makes room for the other and because communication is about not just the self but the other it's about the we it's about community right it's about community i think i i, I think humility then therefore is so key so essential uh here um mm -hmm. so that's why i would say you know, that it's so important uh, for communication. Mm -hmm. You know what um, I mean? Yeah. yeah. I want to uh, turn our conversation now to uh, not interpersonal communication, but mm. communication with God. Mm. Um, the, the individual soul and its ability to communicate effectively to God Almighty um, do you think that a lot of our discussion applies when it comes to speaking with and listening to God? Or is there a more uh, nuanced connection or a different kind of connection due to the nature of this type of spiritual relationship that's different than one human being to another? But I just mm -hmm. feel like before you begin to respond to that, it's just, just between... Uh, your thoughts on interpersonal yeah. communication and then you sharing this prayer, like it made me think a lot about how we communicate, uh, how we speak to, and, and more importantly, listen to God. And I wonder how much of our conversation applies. So what, what's your response to that? Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 I um, in one sense, there's something um, that is directly applicable to our communication with God, with what I said, uh, with regards to interpersonal communication, um, to speak to God from the heart is really the only way to speak to God, to address the Lord, uh, with the recognition that this is the Lord that one is addressing is to at once, of course, be inscribed by real humility. So humility is going to be important uh, when talking to God, when communicating to God, when 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 sharing our heart uh, with the Lord. We have to, as it were, keep it real. We have to keep it real. Mm. Um, all the the dancing and the duplicitousness that's that's without a doubt because of our own concupiscence, because of our own fallenness, is is in one sense always present. Uh, will we'll begin to melt away, right? And, and the Spirit of God, who uh, mysteriously in His providence is praying through us to God, right? The Christian revelation is such that Christian prayer is God praying in us, through us, to Him, and He Himself is receiving. So that God is the one mm. who is the ca one catalyzing our prayer, Mm. communicating to himself god is is god the spirit speaking to god the father through the god through god through god the son all, all this fascinating trinitarian uh reality mm. there and the metaphysics therein but we got to keep it real we got to keep it real so in one sense yes the exact same thing of course in another sense no it's it's very very different because this is indeed god this is the one who is the ground of being and so christian revelation will say we can't, you know, like this idea of even coming to know God and speaking to God is already de facto an impossibility, or it would be an impossibility unless God would have already revealed himself to us because he's not a creature and he's not one being among many, but he's mm -hmm. the very ground of being. He would have to 
reveal himself to us. And so to bring it back down to earth a bit here, we commune with God. We communicate with God because he has first reached out in communion with us because he has first, he is initiated and is the initiator by way of grace of his heart to us, his sacred heart to us. And so our coming to God is in fact always a response to God, even though we may not be aware of it, unbeknownst mm. to us, it's already a response to his loving grace, which are metaphorically speaking, cords of love that draw us ever deeper into the mystery of the divine. Now, when we reflect on that theologically, so much opens up to us um, that, that, that God is triune. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit reveals that there is mysteriously already a communion, a community eternally in the very Godhead, right? That the mm. Son eternally is generated from the Father, right? That the Son, that the Spirit spirates from the Father and the Son, and, and, and that, you know, and, and, and that Christians will call the Son the Word, right? That this is the Word of God. And, and all of this, um, of course, begs the question of, how do we reflect on communication and communion within God, you know, given that the very mm -hmm. nature of God is triune and, and there's a lot there, but that's, you know, there's a whole nother episode, mm -hmm. but the major takeaway for me is that we are caught up in the matrix of that communion of love. Mm -hmm. That is God, you know, we are caught up. And so Christians and the church is called to communicate in a way that is decisively distinct from the modes that this world knows and has to offer. This is why we can walk the straight and narrow in the way we speak to others, because it's because we're, we're, we're speaking from our heart. And guess who dwells within our heart? The Trinitarian God by way of mm -hmm. grace. And so then we have recourse to a mode of communication that can afford a real authentic vulnerability from ourselves because we've been catechized by way of the cross. We are ever learning what it means to make room at the table of our own souls for the other. And so I think when the world sees that among us and they, they feel that among us, they say, wow, there's something different about you. There's something, you know, you're like coming from a different world as it were. And the answer is, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but it's by God's grace. It's it's God. That's the other world. That's the kingdom, you know. That and so, um, in short, our communication is to be marked by love. Um, when you were sharing that, it kind of opened up, in my mind at least, like more uh, mediums by which mm. one can communicate with God. Because mm. to me, I I saw communication with God through. A, a narrow lens of a particular type of prayer or like a way to pray of mm -hmm. just the process by which you bow your head, close your eyes, um, fold your hands and <clears throat> talk to God or, or yeah. And speak to God in, in one particular way. Would you say that communication with God can happen through 
many different mediums? And would you also say that all communication with God is prayer? Like, can you kind of unpack that yeah. a little bit as we close our time? Sure, sure. So, yeah, you know, there are definitely many ways. Um, if you want to use the word mediums, you know, there are definitely different mediums that we have access to when it comes to God, but all of it can be understood simply as prayer. If we understand prayer mm. to simply be the rising of one's mind and heart to God, right? Mm. So even as I sign myself, right, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right, just the signing, not without even saying in the name, is already a form of prayer, right? Prostration is a form of prayer. Uh, sitting quietly and just rising, raising my mind and heart to God, right, without any recourse to words, is a form of prayer. Of course, mm -hmm. words are prayer, bowing of the head, and all of, the, all of these things. And there is a rich uh, 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 variety of ways in which we can approach God, because this is God. This is God. And it's actually essential because the God that we speak of is essentially invisible, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and and is transcendent and is the very measure by which we can even speak of transcendence and imminence in all of this wild, wild stuff. But Jesus says, never mind all of that, right? Come to me as a child, right? The kingdom mm -hmm. of God is to be it, it, right, is 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 of children, right? So children mm -hmm. have this beautiful, unabashed abandonment, like a reckless abandonment. <laughs> <laughs> without without this kind of like oh i gotta you know get this right right they'll just say mm -hmm. what they say but this is like pure authenticity right and the humility mm -hmm. and a mm -hmm. and a real radical trust in in mommy and daddy you know if mommy mm -hmm. says i'm preparing food for you like the kid is not going to go to the bedroom uh and bite his nails because he's not sure if he could trust mommy that would be mm -hmm. a horrendous situation right like what mm -hmm. has what kind mm -hmm. of abuse right Mm -hmm. So and, and Jesus is like, yeah, this is how you approach the heavenly father, right? This is this is this is the way to do it. And and he says, learn from me, right? Learn, learn of my heart. It's meek and lowly, Jesus says, you know, meek and lowly of heart. And you'll mm -hmm. find rest. Right. So Jesus is the way, he's the model. And by extension, the saints, and of course, uh, above all, the Blessed Mother is the mm -hmm. the beautiful model of this. Now, you know. Again, going back to the essential invisibility of God. God is invisible. God is beyond sight and sound. He is beyond empirical reality. While all of empirical reality is substantiated or subsists, as it were, it has its being in God. So I close my eyes because sometimes the visual apparatus captures my attention far more easily than the invisible mm. that God calls mm. me into. You know, mm -hmm. I, I find a quiet space because the solitude grants to me an attunement of my inner ear so that I can hear the celestial choir. Mm -hmm. This sounds like wild mm -hmm. stuff, but but this is exactly what the church means, right? This is so so the basic things of like no, sometimes you have to go out into the desert. Nope, sometimes you have to go into a retreat. Sometimes you have to close the door and 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 pray to the Father who sees in secret. You know, this is the words of Jesus, um, because while this world is uh, beautiful and good and and God given, right? The creation is God given. We first have to tune into the Lord to see God in the created reality. And so that means at times closing our eyes and, and finding the quiet space and, 
and and having a cultivation of a, a certain disposition an inner an inner universe that is not agitated but 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 tranquil by by the power of the spirit um <clears throat> excuse me so so these are the ways um that that we can come to our heavenly father and and they're all important they're all in they they all are important not one is exhaustive it's not like okay just pray the rosary and that's it or just say the our father and that's it or just close your eyes and say no words before god and that's like the ideal form no no it's it's you know you know the same god who has mm. created a thousand different varieties of butterflies is mm. the same god that invites us to come to him a thousand different ways but it's the same god the singularity of god is always there before us in love Joe, thank you very much. Um, mm-hmm. Very insightful and a lot to meditate and ponder over as we um, continue existing and communicating with one another and more importantly, communicating with God. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.